Welcome to the Servants of Grace podcast hosted by Dave Jenkins. Our podcast exists to provide trustworthy expository messages through the Bible and faithful answers to your theology questions. Now for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, well, welcome back to the Servants of Grace Theology segment, and today we have a great question, and the question is this from one of our listeners. Do the narratives of Jesus' birth contradict each other? What a great question. Uh, Two of the gospel accounts give an account of the happenings surrounding the birth of Jesus. In fact, Matthew 1 through 2, it tells about Jesus, and it includes the story of the Magi from the East. Now, Luke 1 through 2 does not mention the Magi, but focuses on Mary and others, including Elizabeth, Zacharias, the shepherds, Simeon, and Anna. In fact, she prays the Lord for the incarnation of Jesus. Uh, Various people have claimed that Matthew and Luke, they contradict each other, and the, the narrative bursts of Jesus to them are in opposition to each other. The details provided by Matthew and Luke, as we'll see, though, are easily reconciled and do not contradict each other, as we're about to discover. Here's the details that are agreed upon by Matthew and Luke. Jesus was born of a virgin. Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph returned to Nazareth after Jesus' birth. Here's some details that are unique to Matthew and Luke. The Magi visited Jesus, Joseph, and Mary flee Egypt to escape Herod's cruelty. A group of shepherds visits Jesus in the manger. Joseph and Mary make a trip to the temple in Jerusalem to fulfill the law. Here's some of the central claims of the contradiction in the narratives. At the heart of the claim of a contradiction in the birth narratives are Matthew uh, 2, 21 through 23 and Luke uh, 239. According to critics, Luke, who says nothing about the flight to Egypt, he indicates that Jesus was taken directly from the temple. Matthew, according to the critics, does not mention the temple observances and says that Jesus was taken in Nazareth directly from Egypt. Luke never says that Joseph and Mary did not go to Egypt and didn't comment on that event. Matthew never mentions the shepherds of the nativity. Neither do Matthew nor Luke claim they are penning an exhaustive account of every detail surrounding the birth of Jesus. And so the best way to understand Matthew and Luke's narrative is to place the flight to Egypt after Jesus' appearance in the temple. This understanding, it places Joseph and Mary in Bethlehem after Jesus' birth and stayed at the house of Matthew 2.11. Luke 2.39 doesn't say that they immediately returned to Galilee and doesn't specify how much time it elapsed there. Instead, he says that after they visited the temple, Joseph and Mary settled in at Nazareth, which means they have could have been there days or even months. And so if we place the flight to Egypt in Luke 2.39, we uh, come to understand the following. First, after visiting the temple, Joseph and Mary returned to Bethlehem. Second, Simon and Anna began spreading the news that they had seen the Messiah in Jerusalem. Sometime later, the Magi arrived at Jerusalem and confirmed the news on the street that the Messiah had been born. Now, Herod sent the Magi on to Bethlehem, where they find Jesus. Uh, The Magi return home in a different way, and Jesus is warned in a dream to, to, or excuse me, Joseph is, is warned in a dream to flee to Egypt. 
Now, Herod figures out that the Magi had disregarded his wishes, and he orders a slaughter of all males two years old and younger near Bethlehem. The the two-year computation indicates that Jesus could have already been that old. Herod dies in 4 BC. Now, Joseph brings his family back from Egypt. Out of fear of Herod's son, Joseph changes his plan to settle in Bethlehem and instead moves back to Galilee. Nothing in the chronology mentioned above contradicts Matthew or Luke. And some critics claim to find another supposed contradiction in the genealogies associated with the narratives of Jesus. Matthew 1.16, for example, says that Joseph's father was was Jacob. Luke uh, 3.23 says that Joseph's father was Heli. The best response to this is that Luke is recording Mary's genealogy and Matthew is recording Joseph's. So what are some differences and how can they be harmonized? Well, four different men wrote the Gospels to four different audiences. In fact, the previous sentence is important because the Gospels include different details concerning the life of Jesus. Even so, their writing was inspired by the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing that they what they wrote uh, was the truth. And so while there are differences, they can all be harmonized. The narratives of Jesus' birth found in Matthew and Luke are not contradictory, but complementary. I'll never forget a conversation that I had with a friend who came home from Bible college. He told me uh, during our discussion that apparent Bible contradictions had shook his faith and confidence in the Bible. In fact, growing up in the same church, we were, we were encouraged to study the Bible, and we were equipped to do so from middle school on. Questions were encouraged, and I remember fondly studying systematic theology in high school. Now, many teenagers today, they don't have this opportunity. For me, it feels the love for the Lord, the local church, and the Word of God that continues today. I've seen many people come home from Bible college or go through seminary and come out on the other side questioning their faith. And so as we consider apparent Bible contradictions, it's important to say there are good answers to questions people have from God's Word. And the question isn't whether there are good answers to the questions being asked, but whether people ask the right questions from the biblical text. And and one example of asking the wrong questions and getting the wrong answer is from liberal Protestantism. Decades ago, most mainline denominations abandoned the inerrancy, that is, without error and uh, infallibility, that is, without the possibility of error of Scripture. These denominations thought they continue affirming the core tenets of Scripture while they rejected inerrancy and infallibility. You see, such a rejection, though, leads to a denial of orthodoxy in other matters. It all began for these mainline denominations with questioning biblical sexuality uh, and sexual ethics and gender roles and other teachings, which led to rejecting the atonement and other critical, essential gospel doctrines. These mainline denominations had to question those core teachings for consistency's sake. To deny the word of God is without error and without the possibility of error is to deny that the people of God have a trustworthy revelation from the Lord. And when people reject the authority of God's word, they have stopped adhering to biblical Christianity and begin adhering uh, to another religion entirely, as J. Gresham Machen said in his classic book, Christianity and Liberalism. In fact, as we study the scripture, all that I just said is important because it affects how we deal with supposed contradictions in scripture. If we think that the Bible is full of errors and fairy tales, no matter how good the answer is, it won't matter. But you see, if we believe the Bible is without error and without the possibility of error, then we're going to come to the scriptures to mine them, to ask questions, to grow in our faith. 
You see, the Bible uh, didn't fall from the sky uh, on a parachute, but but took many different writers century to give us the Bible. Verbal, verbal plenary inspiration doesn't mean the people of God will find it difficult to reconcile biblical texts. The Bible is a divine book, but it's also a human book, not in the sense that it's full of human errors, but in the sense that it tells human stories of the Lord's work in their lives. And no two people write in the same way, and no two human beings report their perspectives on the same event identically. Two people can accurately represent the same event without covering the same details. This is the issue that we're seeing in Matthew 2 and Luke 2. Differences do not mean contradiction. They mean that the author is putting more stress on one point while another writer comes along and emphasizes another point. Together, these details fill in and tell the whole story. Today, you might be questioning the Bible because of apparent uh, or supposed contradictions in Scripture. Dear Christian, you have a reliable, sufficient, uh, a trustworthy Bible that's for every part and every phase of your life. You can open your Bible and ask all the hard questions that you want of it, but asking hard questions apart from confidence in the Bible will lead you to be like my friend who eventually left the church. Instead, I want to encourage you to wrestle with what the Bible teaches, not from a place of unbelief, but belief in the Word of God. God has given you a word in the Scriptures. God is is faithful to his word because he is a faithful and trustworthy God. So you can trust the word because it reveals his holy, just, and perfect character. Please, dear Christian friend, trust the Lord, read the word, and grow in the grace of God. I want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of the Servants of Grace Theology segment. And until next time, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Servants of Grace podcast today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave a rating on the app, and share our episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to, you can follow us on Instagram at Servants of Grace, on Twitter at Servants of Grace, or by searching Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this podcast on the front page of our website at servantsofgrace.org.